Have a constant mutual charity among yourselves, for charity covers a multitude of sins. First Peter chapter four, verses seven to eight. The reading for Vespers of this day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Saint Alphonsus Liguri believed it was quite simple to identify a true follower of Christ. He said, by this you may know that a man is a true Christian if he seeks to do good to those who wish him evil. I think if you would poll people worldwide, asking them what was the most difficult precept in Christianity, it would not be chastity, despite the pull of the passions, or the obligation to do penance, despite the allurement of comfort, but the commandment to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies does not ring true. It does not seem to be, it seems to be contrary to reason. At most, we might be obliged to treat people who harm us with benign neglect, but to love them, to do good to them. Love of neighbor seems difficult enough. Why should an enemy be considered our neighbor? St. John Vianney tells us why. He says, all our religion is but a false religion, and all our virtues are mere illusions, and we ourselves are only hypocrites in the sight of God. If we have not that universal charity for everyone, for the good, for the bad, for the poor and for the rich, and for all those who do us harm as much as for those who do us good. In order to understand this divine injunction to love our enemies, we should examine what we mean by two key words, love and enemy. What really bothers us about loving those who are against us is that we have to bestow on them the same love we show those dear to us, which is impossible to do. But Christ does not expect this of us. Christ, as he hung on the cross, forgave his enemies. Judas, who in that treacherous kiss handed him over. The high priest who instigated his arrest. Pilate, who giving in to the crowd, condemned him, knowing that he was innocent. Herod, who made fun of him, mocked him. The soldiers who spat on him and drove his flesh into the cross's wood. He loved them all, but not in the way he loved his blessed mother or his closest friend, St. John. 
By the word to love, we mean to will no harm to the other, but to will that only that person's highest good, which is eternal life, salvation. This is more clearly seen in the family. Your son has continually disobeyed you, betrayed your trust, abused you, and have been living, has been living a criminal life. You struggle to keep alive in your heart the affection that you once had for him. But never leaving you for an instant is your determined desire that he change his ways and become what he should be. You are willing his good. You are truly showing him love. Once this is understood, many people, many people will have less problem forgiving someone who has hurt them. The best modern example of love and forgiveness is the late Holy Father, St. John Paul II. He was shot on May 13, 1981, by Ali Ahmed Achka, and nearly died from the bullet wounds. And he suffered till the day of his death from repercussions of it. One of the first things the Vicar of Christ did was what Christ himself did. He publicly forgave his tormentors. He didn't say, boy, are you going to get yours now? But rather, I forgive you. I forgive him. Later, the Pope went beyond the charity of words and traveled to the prison where he met with Ajka, prayed with him, embraced him, repeating his words of forgiveness once more. But note one important thing. Even though the Pope lavishly forgave his would-be assassin, he did not ask the Italian government to pardon him or to commute or lessen his sentence. He would do that later as part of the Holy Year, the Millennium, but that was 20 years later. Forgiveness does not conflict with justice. The wife was separated from her husband because of his harsh, brutal abuse must forgive him. But that doesn't mean that she condones his actions, nor does it lessen her right to seek justice. St. Francis said it well. He said, true charity consists in doing good to those who do us evil, and in thus doing, winning them over, winning them over. The greatest act of love would be to change our enemy into a friend, to convert evil into good.
The second word we must examine is the word enemy. Love of enemies can be made to seem as innocuous as love of neighbor could, but it would not be what Christ commands. As someone might love humanity, yet be unable to stand the person next door, so someone might love their enemies, but dislike individual ones. It would be quite easy, for instance, to say, I forgive all communists, Joseph Stalin, Chairman Mao, I forgive Adolf Hitler and all the Nazis, and Benito Mussolini. All too easy. All too easy. I must forgive the enemy at hand. Who is your enemy? He who does you some slight harm or injustice, grave or small. It is the man who cuts you off in traffic. It is a teenager who takes your parking space. For a doctor, he is a person whose life you saved when you stopped by a serious accident despite the traffic, and then he sues you for malpractice. It is the co-worker who supports you going into the meeting, pulls the rug from you beneath during it. It is a teacher who treats you unfairly. It's a friend who, who, who stabs you in the back when you're not around. Here is where the precept applies. Here is where two Christians are separated from those who are not. But is there a way that I can know if I'm fulfilling this precept? There is a way given us by a French spiritual writer who wrote, if I meet this person who has made me suffer, for whom I feel such antipathy, will I be kind to him? Am I ready to do him a favor? To ask a favor of him, which is more difficult, for then I would, owe, I would then owe him gratitude. To smile at him. St. Paul sums it all up in Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Be not wise in your own conceits. To know men render evil for evil, providing good things not only in the sight of God, but in the sight of men. If it be possible, as much as in you, have peace with all men. Be not overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. St. Francis de Paola, who was a great reformer of the Franciscan order, said, pardon one another so that later on you will not remember the injury. The recollection, recollection of an injury is in itself wrong. It adds to our anger, nurtures our sin, and hates what is good. It is a rusty arrow and poison for the soul. It puts all virtue to flight. Brooding over an injury received, a wrong committed, a slight endured will not bring you any happiness. Vengeance itself brings only further unrest. But God, when God destroyed the evil cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he spared Lot and his wife. He then sent them from the city with one command, do not look back. Lot's wife disobeyed. She looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Refusing to leave our hurts behind us will immobilize us and cement our lives. Forgiveness brings with it freedom. Reconciliation brings with it inner peace. To forgive is to let go, to set aside, to start anew. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, make this petition. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do we mean it? We say it, but do we mean it? We are telling God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive others. The same way. C.S. Lewis wrote, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.